right, thanks guys. Ryan, Dylan, Tony, Byron, you guys sound ready this morning. Hey, good morning. It's great to be with all of you guys. Uh, I want to say congratulations to all the graduates. We're in a graduation season right now, right? I see a couple here today, Mr. Evan, uh, go Dallas High class, and Mr. Connor Lang, uh, Central High School, and, uh, and state baseball champs too last Saturday. Way to go, young man. No, that's pretty awesome stuff. Now, what a neat season. We're kind of right in between uh, the school year wrapping up and uh, 4th of July coming soon where we get to kind of really ring in summer. And so here we are in the middle of June, and it's good to be with you. Um, lately, I have been uh, developing some of my kind of my old hobbies and renewing them. So I'm holding this, uh, this Mr. Mr. album cover. Any, any Mr. Mr. fans in the eye? Okay. Yeah, we got a few... 80s techno people then here. All right. So I, I bought a record player, a turntable, after about almost 30 years of not having one. And um, it's been really cool because I'm rediscovering some of my old music I forgot that I liked. And then I get to introduce it to Nate, my 23-year-old. And uh, it's neat because I'll try something on him and he'll be like, oh, dad, that was kind of cool. Let me hear some more of that. So we were listening to Curie and Broken Wings and stuff the other day. And he, and he was digging it, which was awesome. Um, the other thing that I've been doing, I've been doing this for a while, but I've, I've kind of um, uh, ramped it up recently is, um, and, and this is about as political as I get right here, I like biographies and books about old presidents. So that's, uh, that's John Adams. I don't know if anybody has read this David McCullough book. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a commitment. <laughs> but but I, I love digging into the stories of these, these men up until this point who have ended up in the White House in, in the most powerful position really probably in the free world and, and just the circumstances and how they got there. Um, did you know John Adams, he was our first vice president to General George Washington, right? He was our second president. His son was our sixth president. Do you know who the other father-son president combo is? Does anybody know? There, there are two in history. Does anybody know? Byron? Yeah, the, the, uh, George and, uh, and George W. Bush. And, hey, and here's a little bonus question. Did you know that there is one grandfather-grandson president duo in history? Does anybody know who that is? Well, those lights are bright. It's the Harrisons. They were in the 1800s. And so um, uh, they, they were the only grandfather and, and son to serve as, as president. But um, there's lots of goofy facts about presidents, and I love to geek out on them. Um, a lot of presidents had pets. They had dogs, they had birds, they had cats, and all kinds of you know, different pets that they were really into. And uh, you're going to hear about Andrew Jackson's pet here in a minute. John Adams had a dog that sounds like was a real rascal, and, and he was real thorn in his side, he named it Satan. <laughs> so, um, put this over by my record. But uh, go ahead, uh, Floyd, if you would, go back to the parrot. Um, Andrew Jackson, our seventh pres president. Now, Andrew Jackson, that, that photo looks pretty tame, but he was a, a tough dude. He was a war hero from 1812. Um, he, he did not suffer fools. And he had this parrot, and he taught the parrot how to use foul language. <laughs> so uh, he had this parrot for years. Years later, when, when President Jackson died, they had his funeral service. And 
the parrot was brought in, and apparently he did not behave very well. So I'm going to read you <laughs> this little quote. This is the reverend that presided over Andrew Jackson's funeral service, uh, talking about the parrot. And uh, the reverend William Menifee Normant, um, he says, Before the sermon and while the crowd was gathering, a wicked parrot that was a household pet got excited and commenced swearing so loud and long as to disturb the people and had to be carried from the house. The Reverend Norman goes on to report that the presidential parrot was excited by the multitude and let loose perfect gusts of cuss words. <laughs> people were horrified and awed at the bird's lack of reverence. So <laughs> if you want to hear more about un, you know, strange presidential facts, come to me. I've got lots of them. Um, but no, if you were, uh, David mentioned it, if you were gone last week, Ben started uh, this new series that we're in about uh, my life verse. And so he shared um, his verse, which was from Philippians, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And what a powerful verse that that is. Ben talked about uh, growing up how he always liked Superman, and then he kind of compared that to, to Samson in the Bible, but he talked about this, you know, having these powers that, that, that Ben didn't have and that he always kind of wanted, and I guess I talked to Ben this week a little bit uh, before they took off this weekend. I guess Ben had a, like a kryptonite rock here, is that right? And, and ben, ben even said this, he goes, yeah, he goes, it had a real bad paint job on it. <laughs> Somebody, he had this symbol of strength uh, uh, to kind of go with his, uh, with his story last week. Well, um, one of the things that Ben started and that we're going to continue with, with my message today and for the next several weeks as you hear from the rest of our preaching team is we want, we want to give you a homework assignment, if you haven't done this yet, is to get into the God's word and find your life first and then share that. And what's, what's really awesome is I've already seen this week uh, that some of you uh, took that homework assignment seriously. You've been posting on Facebook and kind of sharing your verse and maybe adding some, uh, some thoughts about what that means to you. So that's awesome. Um, but I want to share mine with you today. Let's pray and, and, and get into, uh, into this message. Lord, thank you, God, for today. Thank you for our graduates and for uh, the fact that we can celebrate that they have finished the race, God. They got to the finish line and uh, marked this great uh, chapter in their lives, and now something new and, and exciting is going to start for them. Um, we just pray for their future, God. Lord, be with the rest of us today, too, as we might need a, a, a reset or a do-over today, like, like Ben likes to talk about. Uh, help speak to us through your word and remind us that you've got a plan for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so my life verse, as you're going to see right now, is uh, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Is that anyone else's verse by chance? Is that, uh, no, that's all right, that's all right. Maybe it will be as you get into the word and you're like, hey, you know, that meant something to Jeff and, and that works for me too. Um, let me read you a couple other translations on this too. Uh, the NIV, that, that was the NIV. Here is the, uh, uh, the King James God says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. Isn't that comforting to know 
the, the God of the universe is thinking about you and me. And he wants peace for us in our lives. I love, I love how the King James can really bring that home. And check this out from the message. The message has such a real way of, of kind of breaking down uh, God's word. The message says this on Jeremiah 29, 11. This is God's word on the subject. As soon as Babylon's 70 years are up and not a day before, I'll show, I'll show up and take care of you as I promised and bring you back home. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out, plans to take care of you, not abandon you, plans to give you the future that you hope for. Wow, isn't that awesome? So the way Eugene Peterson wrote that in the message, he, God says, uh, I'll show up. So, I mean, he's, he's there with us. God, God says, I know what I'm doing. And man, don't, don't we need to probably like moment by moment in our lives acknowledge that God knows what he's doing and we need his help? Gosh, what a, what a sobering way to put that. Um, and then he says, I have it all planned out. So God has a plan for you and for me. And we need to, we need to rest in that and, and embrace that. Well, this verse in Jeremiah, it means so much to me. It's a reminder that no matter what has happened to me in the past and, and what I'm going through now and what's going to happen in the future, that our Heavenly Father, that he's in control of my life, that his plan for me is good. And uh, what I want to share with you today through my testimony is how God has put two uh, really amazing people in my life to help remind me of his promise in this verse, that he does have a plan for me and he hasn't left me alone here. He hasn't abandoned me like that, uh, that translation from the message says. Um, and my prayer is that if, if, you, uh, if you don't have that, that kind of hope or um, if you need that reminder from God today, maybe it's a chance to reset and, and kind of reawaken that trust in God, that this verse will encourage you to, to see that God has a plan for you too. And he's going to give you the steps you need. He's going to equip you along the way to, to get there. So my story, my life with Jesus uh, started very early. Uh, my mom and dad raised me in a Lutheran church up in Aloha, probably not much different than this building. This was, this was a Lutheran church for years and years, if you didn't already know that. I was baptized when I was a baby. Um, my mom and dad obviously were the most important people in my life. And uh, there's my dad and my mom when I was about maybe three on, on that picture right there. Um, my mom is an amazing woman, and um, I could do a whole other sermon on, on her on a different time, but she um, brought my brothers and I up to, uh, to love and, and, and respect people. Um, she encouraged us so much to, to pursue our goals and dreams and trust in God. Um, she continues to pour into my life um, as a grandma uh, to my, my adult kids now, and, and for me too. I still look to her for for wisdom and, and direction. Um, but she is not one of my two people today, so don't, don't tell her that. The, the first person that I do want to tell you about is my dad, uh, Gary. And my dad was my hero. And he, he died when I was very young. And I'm going I'm to tell you about that here in a minute. Um, but when I, when I talk about my testimony, my journey with God and in this life that he's given me, I can't help but talk about my dad. Um, he, he's, he's been so influential. Um, Gary grew up in Southern California. Um, he loved books and always had his nose in a, in a book of, of one kind or another. Um, he also loved airplanes. 
And so after high school, he joined the Navy and he became a flight engineer. Um, he served his country in the late 60s and up to about 1970, uh, right about when I was born, uh, during the Vietnam era. His squadron was on, on ready alert uh, two or three different times, but they were never called to, to go over. So they just, they just drilled a lot. Um, and he was based mostly up in, uh, up in Seattle, up at Sandpoint. Um, after he got out, or actually, uh, uh, he and my mom got married in 1968 while he was still in the Navy. And then they decided to move to San Luis Obispo, California, so my dad could use the GI Bill and go to college. He went to Cal Poly uh, to get an engineering degree. Um, in 1970, early in 1970, they got a puppy. And then about six months later, I came along. <laughs> I was named after my dad's best friend, uh, Jeff Drought. And so those of you that haven't seen my name, I'm a G-E-O-F-F -F Jeff. So that's where the name comes from, is uh, my, my dad's best friend. I spell it the right way, just for the record. <laughs> and my dad, especially when I was little, even probably a year, um, he loved to take me to the airport, the local airport. We would watch the planes uh, taking off and landing. He would teach me the different, uh, the different styles of plane and the different props and what was going on and how to, how to identify them. Um, and so we, we were down in San Luis Obispo. My dad finished up his degree in 1973, and I was about three and a half then. We moved up to Oregon. We were in Beaverton, and then um, about a year later moved to Aloha, where I grew up. Uh, in Aloha a long time, went to the Lutheran Church. I went to Hillsborough High School, go Spartans. Uh, my dad got a job in engineering when we got to Oregon, and my mom uh, stayed home. She took care of me and my new baby brother, Matt, um, who came along in uh, early 1974. So after a couple more years of working in engineering, my dad decided to change careers and go become a police officer. He had always appreciated the idea of service from his Navy days and had thought about becoming a, a policeman. And um, so he applied and went to the police academy right over here in Monmouth. Um, he was excellent as, as a trainee. He um, was chosen class president. Um, he was the, the, um, the high shooter in the class. He was the best marksman. And he spoke at their graduation. Um, uh, right after graduating, he was hired on by the Portland Police Bureau. And right about that same time, we sold our house in Aloha, and my folks bought a, a little five-acre farm uh, out in Shoals area, uh, out, out by Groner. And so we moved out there. And so my dad uh, was a 30-year-old rookie cop at the Portland Police Bureau. I know they've got that show uh, going nowadays, uh, The Rookie, and I think he's like 40. So I, I think, you know, 40-plus years ago, a 30-year-old cop, I mean, you're probably ancient. <laughs> But um, my dad loved the challenge of, of the police work, uh, the camaraderie with the fellow officers, and, um, and kind of, you know, uh, this new life that he had with this, this second career. Um, he was on graveyard shift, and uh, he would make the, the, about the 40-minute drive from our home into downtown Portland um, and park his, his truck downtown. Uh, my grandfather, uh, he owned a lot of gas stations in and around Portland, and at that time, my, my grandfather had a, a 76 station about two blocks from the Portland Police Bureau. So my dad would park his pickup there and usually see my, my grandfather, at least in the morning when he came off shift. And they would have a cup of coffee together, and then my dad would make the drive home. Well, uh, July 14th, 1977, 
uh, was the morning of my seventh birthday. And uh, my dad was on graveyard the night before. And normally he would, he would go do his routine with my grandfather and have a little coffee and then come home. Well, he wanted to get home faster that day because we were going to have a party for me at about 1 o'clock and the family was all coming over. And so uh, my dad got his, to his truck and started the drive uh, home. And he got to uh, within about, about 8 miles of our house out, uh, out past Farmington Road, uh, past Beaverton and Loa area. And uh, he fell asleep at the wheel right where the road was about to make an S-curve up ahead. And uh, coming around the other direction from the curb was another car. So my dad fell asleep, he came into their lane, and they had a head-on collision. He uh, broke his neck and died instantly. He never woke up. As I continued to, to grow up, my extended family was amazing. And my grandmother and my grandfather, who lived in Aloha, too, uh, a couple of sets of my aunts and uncles, they were all within a few miles of us. And all I can remember from, from age seven, probably through, through high school graduation, is their presence. They were there for us. We were together. We camped. Uh, we, 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 we went in, uh, and celebrated birthdays. Uh, my grandfather uh, took me to, to, to baseball and uh, made sure I got to practice and played baseball for about 12 years. And he was my, my biggest uh, encourager and fan there. Um, I'm so blessed that I was born into that family that was there to, to rally around us and, and, and support us after, after losing my dad. Um, what's amazing, too, is my, my mom, my grandma, and my aunts especially, the, the ladies in my life, uh, even to this day, they always make sure that if I have a question about my dad or I, I want to hear one of the old stories about him again and again, which I do, they stop and, and, they, and they patiently, you know, talk about that and talk about who he was. And, and they do that for my brother, too, and help us to know the, the kind of man that my dad was. Now, some of you have gone through losing someone really close to you. Uh, maybe it's a parent. It could be a spouse or, or, a, or a child. And no one replaces that person. There's a, there's a hole in your life that is there that, that you carry with you. And, and there are so many times, you know, even with my dad, where uh, I wish I could have him here in my life now, for even for one day, so he could hang out with, with Tina and with Nate and Maddie and, and, and interact with them here as a, as a, as a grandfather, you know. But we're not going to have that. We're going to get to see him again later on. Now, this verse in Jeremiah 29, it's so important because God is good to us. He's got a plan, and he knows what we need for that, for that plan to become real. Um, and he knows who we need in our life in order for that, for that plan to, to take shape. So the second person that I want to tell you about, and she doesn't know I'm going to talk about her today, is my wife, uh, Tina. And I think we've got, there, there she is. Um, we're about to celebrate our, our 25th anniversary here in about two weeks. <laughs> Woo! Now, God knew that I needed someone strong and supportive and loving and fun. And he sent this amazing woman into my life. Um, she's been the person in my life that constantly will say, God has it under control. 
or God will give us what we need. And I've seen that time and again. Uh, early in our marriage, when I, uh, well, she got a phone call from our bank that our credit line was maxed out. Well, first of all, she didn't know, I don't even know if she knew we had a credit line. And then <laughs> I don't know if she knew how much that we were, we were, we were 7,000 into the credit line and the bank was cutting us off. And so as you might imagine, that was, uh, that was, that was a difficult call for her and, and, and she was not happy with me. But as we worked through that, you know, Tina saw how God was working through those circumstances even and was teaching mostly me um, big lessons about, about money and debt. And, and, and we, we grew a lot from that. Um, when our son was diagnosed with autism when he was five, that was a big shock to our system. A very difficult time for, for, for us. We struggled to see a direction and a future for, for Nate and what this was going to mean and how we were supposed to be as parents. Tina, Tina really quickly started to show what this verse looks like in, in her trust in God. And she immediately started researching everything she could about, about autism and Asperger's. That's the, kind of the mild diagnosis that Nate has and what that means and, and what you can try and, and, and what to do. And um, she started to look at Nate for what, what, he, what he could do and not what he couldn't do. And um, the thing was, she, she understood that, that what we didn't have, it would, it would be up to God to equip us as parents, to give us those creative ideas, uh, to, to seek out the right, um, whether it was medical doctors and behavior specialists, people of the school system, that, that had different ideas and techniques and that we needed that so desperately, but she knew that that was important and that that was how God would prepare us to be, to be Nate's mom and dad. Um, one of the other things that she did is right away with our, our school system, whether Nate was in public school or private school, um, she would go and meet with the teachers, meet with the resource people, meet with the instructional assistants and find out uh, how they were set up and what they might have to, to help Nate and the way that he learned. But the other thing that I love that, that she always did all throughout uh, Nate's schooling is any chance she had to thank those teachers and those school resource people and those, those IAs, she would, she would just pour out gratitude and say, thank you for pouring into our son. Thank you for being creative and, and trying different things for him. And it means so much to us that you're, that you're uh, seeing him for who he is and that you want him to develop too. So there was always a, a spirit of, of gratitude that I appreciated in my wife. Um, and she would, and, and one of the things that Tina did as we went through year by year of, of school and it was kind of stressful and difficult to think, oh gosh, will Nate be able to be in this same school next year or some of his needs are changing? Is that going to fit? So Tina took on the attitude that, hey, we'll just take it a year at a time. We're going to pray like crazy and, and God is going to show us. And, and he did. And we made those changes. We were in public school for a while. We were in a private school. We were back to public school. Um, and and it, it really ended up working out pretty well. It wasn't easy. There were a lot of tears and a lot of trying times and a lot of uh, frustration with ourselves that we uh, couldn't do better for Nate. But um, Tina saw what a blessing that he was and how we needed to advocate for him. And she was our, 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 uh, our chief champion for, for Nate through all that. You know, what's really interesting to me 
when I look at these two people that God has given me to help me, to help remind me of his plan for me, uh, my wife and my dad, is uh, how, how much they, they were, were are alike. Um, my dad was an only child. Tina's a middle kid. And so they both have that kind of that loner, you know, approach to life. They need their space. <laughs> um, neither of them had a ton of friends, but they had a few really good ones. And that was, that was enough. Um, my mom would talk about with my dad how he loved the morning time like breakfast and kind of getting up, reading the paper, getting some coffee, maybe some eggs and, and orange juice. And he would just kind of prepare himself for the day and, and be ready to go to work and, and do his thing. Well, my wife, she loves her morning routine. I mean, she gets up really much earlier than she needs to and, and protects that time. She wants to have some coffee, get her breakfast going, maybe read a little bit, and then she's ready um, to go to work and, and, and kind of face the day too. Um, my dad really believed in personal responsibility and in, in work ethic and character. And he demonstrated that whether he was in the Navy or as an engineer or then as, as a, um, a police officer for, for a few months before his death. Uh, my wife has always been such a hard worker and um, she takes that seriously uh, uh, learning the, the new techniques. She's, she's an instructional assistant now at uh, Stevens Middle School in Salem working with special needs kids. Uh, many of them are, are, uh, don't have speech and have a lot of uh, physical uh, handicaps and, and, and struggles, but um, she loves to engage them and uh, really applies herself. And I'm amazed as I watch Tina because even in this kind of this now, this middle-aged season of our lives, we're, we're getting old. Um, but, but Tina still works full-time. Um, she still prepares herself and does the extra training. Uh, she, she goes to work every day ready to, to give her best. And, and that, that work ethic and, and, and even the money that, that, that she helps provide, that's a real blessing to our family and has been so important over the years. So I, I, I so much appreciate, appreciate that in her. Um, but both my wife and my dad have these, believe it or not, quieter personalities <laughs> but when when my dad would have something to say um, and, and I think my wife's like this too uh, people would pay attention because there was wisdom there was something there for you um, and I've got a John F. Kennedy uh, slide that uh, Floyd will bring up I think it kind of sums up a little bit of this idea of of, uh, of work ethic and uh, doing what's right. And, and because I was talking about presidents today, I needed one more, one more kind of president thing here. So I think it's a great reminder. You know, God has been so good to me and blessed me and, and with these two people in my life and, and many more mentors and people that have, that have encouraged me and poured into my life. Uh, maybe you start to look at your life and see how some of those people that God placed in your life have influenced you. And how God has developed certain things in you. Maybe you went through a loss or you went through a relationship struggle, losing a job, a lot of stress that we, that we all have in this life. And God had someone there ready to step alongside of you and remind you of who you were and that God had a plan and he had not abandoned you. Um, you know, with my two people, one, one of them's been gone for over 40 years, and, and I don't get to see him again until I go to be with Jesus. One, I get to, I get to 
enjoy and, and be with, I hope, for, for 50 more years. <laughs> and uh, we'll celebrate our 75th someday, and uh, we can grow uh, old and ornery together. Um, but let's get into some takeaways. So this, this verse from Jeremiah, and uh, a little bit wonky there, but that's all right. So uh, there it is. Thank you, Floyd. Yeah, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. So God does have a hope in a future for each of us. And we'll, we'll go ahead and get into the takeaways now. So God has that plan. Grab a hold of it for yourself. Grab, get into his word this week and, and start to look at some of those stories in the Bible and how God speaks to you. And, and consider, gosh, is there a verse or maybe a section of scripture that really hits home for me and that I need to kind of build my faith around and share that. Share that with your spouse. Put it on Facebook if you want to, if you're on Facebook. Um, maybe share it with some people at work if you're able. That'd be, that'd be pretty awesome to hear how that conversation might go. But next, uh, yeah, find your life first. And then um, finally, remember that uh, God is good. Um, one of the things that I do when I, when I send out maybe a group text, maybe to a bunch of you guys here at Dallas Church to get you to come to an event, or I do an email to our church staff and uh, um, you know, have some things to say, is at the end of my message, a lot of time, I'll say God's good. And that's kind of my way of doing a little mini version of Jeremiah 29. It's, it's a way to remind that, hey, God's got this under control. He's got a plan and it is good. And so I love doing that. Maybe there's something that, that, that you do when you communicate with people or reach out um, that, uh, that kind of reflects some of that. But uh, seek him out this week. Um, encourage each other. Share what, what, uh, what God might reveal to you through his word too. Let's pray. Lord God, uh, thank you for your word. Uh, thank you that uh, you have not abandoned us, uh, that you have a plan for our life, and it is good, and it includes uh, hope in you and a future in you, regardless of what we've been going through. Um, God, you love us so much. You sent Jesus uh, to die for us, uh, to be sacrificed for our sins, uh, which we didn't deserve. He was born again, and he uh, conquered death and, and made a way now for us to be in relationship with you so we can, we can pray to you, we can spend time with you, we can hear directly from you, the creator of the universe. Lord, if there's anybody uh, that doesn't have that hope and it needs to be encouraged that way, God, uh, I invite them, please come talk to, to David, talk to myself, uh, talk to someone up here on stage today and, and get some prayer, get some encouragement and reminder um, that, uh, that you've got this, God, that you love us so much and you've got our life under control. We pray this in, in Jesus' name.